0: Okay, I had run my numbers, I had run the costs, I had figured out that ideally this was going to be a roughly $30-ish plus, you know, candle. But the packaging needed to be good enough to support that.
1: I told you I would send you a signal.
0: <laughs> it's funny because when you did it, I thought... Yeah, obviously, I'll see when you're starting it, because I'm sitting right here, but that's not what happened at all.
1: I told you I would send you a signal.
0: I was clearly very (laughs) distracted by my phone. Well, it's funny that I was setting that up, because one of the things that we wanted, well, what we wanted to talk about today was all about visual branding and brand identity and Um, packaging and the value of all of that and why it's important.
1: Was it branding? Was it... Packaging. It was packaging and the value of packaging and I said, I don't see how you can split that apart from branding which is inlaid with marketing. Because branding and marketing really go together in a lot of ways, I think. Sarah has more experience.
0: Well, it's one of those things that I think people always... Like you would just hear, oh, yeah, branding, branding, branding. And and what does that really mean? And there's so many branding agencies out there and there are design firms and all that stuff. And a lot of times when people are getting started, there's this immense pressure to like, oh, I, I can't, you know, there's this perfection paralysis.
1: Good term for it, I think
0: this feeling like I can't it's not ready yet you know it's not I gotta get this I gotta get this I gotta get my website to look perfect I gotta get the photography to be perfect before I can do launch everything. or sell it or whatever and the disservice that you do to yourself by doing that like what you're missing out on is all the things you're gonna learn by selling a product that is Imperfect. Needing improvement that you're still like, you know, getting there all the way. And that's not to say that like obviously with candles and those kinds of related things, there are safety things and like it's not to say you're selling an unsafe product or anything like that. But maybe your product photography isn't really at the level that you want it to be at yet. Or your packaging is just not something about it. You know you want to change. You know you want to reiterate. Or you know there's a better – you know it could be better. But it's just not there yet. In order to make those changes, a lot of times you need money. And that's...
1: <laughs> and how do you get that without selling some product?
0: Well, you can either, you know, work really hard in another job and save up the money to kind of get it to be where it needs to be. But you've got to... At, at some point, you're going to have to start selling it. And you're going to learn things about it once you start selling it and once... It's on store shelves, like if you're selling wholesale. Like once it's in a store and customers are dealing with it, other things are going to come up that you might have not considered or if you've never done a craft fair yet, you're not going to notice, like, you're not going to know that, oh, people always grab this and do, this is the first thing that 9 out of 10 people are going to say or going to ask. This is the number one question they have, the number one issue or complaint. All of that experience just comes from, like, getting it out there and doing it when it's a little bit imperfect.
1: You say all of that, and I can't help but think to putting together Ikea furniture where, like, there's a step that makes absolutely no sense when you're doing it. (laughs) But then you go back and get to a later step, and oh no, there was a reason. We just wouldn't tell you, hey, you need to do X before you do Y, otherwise Y will make you miserable.
0: It's funny because this came up earlier today. I was talking to one of our employees and I was thinking back to one of our first, actually my first wholesale account ever, um, with this store up in Vermont that doesn't exist anymore, but she was this really great independent business owner.
1: Wow. You were so bad. You put them out of business.
0: No, she just changed, you know, direction in in her life. Her name is Emily Blistein and her store was called Clementine and it was this really great store that really sold and supported a lot of independent makers and designers. And so I reached out to her intentionally in this kind of initial group of stores because I knew that she would be willing to, even if she didn't place an order, give me feedback on my line sheet. I knew that like I had followed her online. I knew she was very open and like a good, um, good first person to kind of reach out to And she did start carrying the line. And now if you go way back, I haven't deleted anything from my Instagram account. So if you go back far enough, you get all the way back to when it was my personal Instagram account way back in the day, probably like 11 or 12 years ago. But you'll eventually get to the start of the business and see a shift where it kind of becomes more of a business account, but you'll see all the older iterations of our packaging. So, Emily picked up the line when it was still in original vintage glassware and I had just launched some travel candles and like the very early versions of the Simple Collection packaging.
1: Okay, you say original vintage glassware. Do a quick timeline in case someone's not up to date on that.
0: When I started the business, it was not a candle company. It was a... um. I was reselling vintage things that I found at estate sales and thrift stores and things that could be used for styling mostly. I started to come up with... I started to find a lot of barware, kind of like Mad Men era rocks glasses that I thought had really beautiful patterns on them, but no one was really buying them just as rocks glasses. So I wanted to find a way to highlight all the artwork on them while still... um Not destroying the vintage piece or damaging it in any way. So creating kind of a secondary function, but it would still go back to being a perfectly usable piece of vintage glassware when you were done. Um, And that was kind of when I landed on making candles Candles. in them. And so the overall aesthetic of Simply Curated then at the time was much more eclectic because vintage things are going to come in all different shapes and colors. And I could curate them. Hence, the name Simply Curated oh. with a certain aesthetic view in mind. But for the most part, it was much more of a colorful kind of vibe that was happening.
1: You hadn't like settled down on a brand identity.
0: No, not quite. I was just trying to... Eventually, I started... And this, this is like we're getting into... I know this history can go a little long. But eventually, I started selling at markets in... Williamsburg like there was this one market called Artists and Fleas which is still there and I would sell there every weekend I had a permanent booth there for a good six month period or so and what I learned in that time frame and that was after I'd been making candles for about six months I started selling regularly there I got repeat customers I really started to see what people were gravitating towards and i was still selling the other stuff but little by little the candles became more and more of what i was selling week after week than all the other things the other things weren't really interesting or they weren't what people were buying so okay
1: so the market decided you were making and selling candles
0: yeah then i like just decided to i started to get inquiries from like people who would shop who would come by um, the market in Williamsburg and ask if I did wholesale. And I didn't know anything about that. But there were a couple other um, makers around me that made jewelry that I knew did wholesale. So I asked them as many questions as I could about it. And that was kind of when I started to do a deep dive into, okay, what is wholesale? What is this industry? And really try and learn as much as I possibly could about it. What did I need to gather under my belt, and how could I grow this into... After I took about six months of learning that, um, maybe less than six months, I I started to reach out to stores, and that was how I reached out to Emily.
1: I'll jump in, and for the listener, when Sarah says something like, did a deep dive in wholesale, she means that. (laughs) She will research as a hobby, so... Yeah.
0: Yeah. But one of the things that Emily said initially, she agreed to carry the line, and she wrote, you know, small, like, opening order. And I had just kind of come out with the travel candle tins, um, and she really liked them. Like, it was a good size. It was a good price point. But after they were in her store for a couple weeks, she kind of mentioned to me, hey, the customers can't really tell, like, what scent it is without turning it over because I only had the scent on the warning label on the bottom. The top label was just... It just said that it you know simply curated. It It was a soy candle and had the ounces and that. So I thought about it and I realized, okay, this is a problem she's running into because of how she's merchandising the candles. And you can't control how a store owner merchandises. They're going to do whatever they want to do. But it was through that feedback...
1: That it needs the scent name somewhere other than the bottom.
0: Right. That we... Decided that that I started making the thin line labels that go around our the sides of our candles, like that the you side labels, now, the side labels. So it all that's to say is that like your your branding, your packaging, it is always kind of like a work in progress. You don't want it to be changing forever, but don't be afraid to start jumping in and selling when it's not exactly where you want it to be. Yet. At that time, our boxes for the Simple Collection were craft boxes from Uline with a sticker that I printed out on the computer myself, and I printed out little circular color logo stickers that went on the glass. Hmm. Um, they were never perfectly centered, because if anyone has ever tried to print you know, labels on your home inkjet printer, there's always going to be something that's like kind of a little bit off. And printing color, colored circles with a logo centered inside of them while on top of a pre-cut circle label, they were always kind of slightly off-centered. And it bothered me to no end, but I had at the time no other options Solution. other than to just sell them that way. I mean, I sold those Uline craft boxes with the off-centered... The label was centered, but the logo inside the circle was not perfectly centered. Like, I sold those wholesale to, like, at least five stores.
1: I can see the distress on your face at the logo being not perfectly centered.
0: It was How bad. many
1: years later?
0: It looked bad. But it was more that It wasn't so much that it was bad. Because so when I show people those photos, like, today, to some people, that's their aesthetic. It was that... That wasn't my aesthetic and I knew it at the time that like I wanted it to get to this other clean minimalist kind of place and I just wasn't there yet financially where I could make that happen. And earlier this week I reshared this Ira Glass quote.
1: Okay, the Ira Glass quote. Nobody tells this to people who are beginners. I wish someone told me. All of us who do creative work We get into it because we have good taste. But there is this gap. For the first couple years you make stuff, it's just not that good. It's trying to be good. It has potential, but it's not. But your taste, the thing that got you into the game, is still killer. And your taste is why your work disappoints you. A lot of people never get past this phase, they quit. Most people I know who do interesting creative work went through years of this. We know our work doesn't have this special thing that we want it to have. We all go through this. And if you are just starting out, or you are still in this phase, you've got to know it's normal, and the most important thing you can do is do a lot of work. Put yourself on a deadline so that every week you will finish one story. It is only by going through a volume of work that you will close that gap, and your work will be as good as your ambitions. And I took longer to figure out how to do this than anyone I've ever met. It's going to take a while. It's normal to take a while. You've just got to fight your way through. Ira Glass.
0: So, I love that because it's it's true. I think we all have, whether it's like some... Somebody else like another brand we look up to or the the visual aesthetic of something that we're like, I want it to be like this. And why can't I get it? why isn't it that yet? And it just takes time and iterating to get it there. Um, one of the things that I invested in when it came to branding and packaging specifically early on because I knew that. Okay, I had run my numbers, I had run the costs, I had figured out that ideally this was going to be a roughly $30-ish plus, you know, candle. And that was the sweet spot. That was where I wanted it to be, even if I I might have to raise prices eventually. But, like, that was kind of all the signs were pointing towards. That was what I was working on for our kind of main flagship product. But the packaging needed to be good enough to support that. And so I started – I worked with a design firm because I didn't know anything about designing packaging at the time. You don't – you just don't know what you don't know.
1: going to say, it's not like that's something that comes up in K through 12 either.
0: Even in – like I went to art school. Even in studying like design and marketing and stuff like that, packaging design is a very specific – specialty that was not what i was you know was, was working towards but you can either kind of figure it out yourself or you can find a, a design firm that specializes in that or that can help you in that direction and there are some that do more overarching like they'll do brand identity and packaging and all of it kind of together at once or there are people who do more piecemeal work of like, okay, I just need like boxes designed for this or whatever it is. So that was very much like a good stepping stone for our packaging because it was really high quality and I I thought it was good, but there was something about it that always bothered me a little bit. And we there were two main issues. One they developed a really beautiful. They designed a really beautiful box that was really expensive. It Go was. Figure.
1: A, it's beautiful but expensive.
0: It was a double, like a uh, double box. So, like it was a rigid setup box, is what they call it. So it doesn't fold down. It doesn't pack flat. Um, and the inner box fully went. You know, like there was an outer cover that fully covered almost the inner box. So you've probably seen. Candles packaged this way or other products packaged this way. You have to slide the whole top off to get to the... And it was so expensive to make them. I couldn't afford to print different ones for each scent. So we decided, okay, well, instead of printing different ones for each scent, we're going to print one master box design. And then the scent will just be this sticker. And so they designed a sticker that was going to be kind of went on the bottom front of the overtop box and had to be folded underneath so that it was like a full solid color it wasn't just a little strip so it got folded on underneath and then the box top so each scent had a different color and they did that because that was like the original packaging the that they were working off of the ones when the craft boxes with the off-centered labels i was printing on my computer each scent had a different color
1: i like it skittles taste the candle and all
0: but I knew that I hated the color when they first sh- showed it to me. But I I didn't It I was didn't effective speak up. but not ideal. I didn't speak up at the time. I didn't think that I was afraid that like, oh, they know better than me. They're experts at this. But they were just going off the brief that I had given them. I had said, here's the thing. Here's what it looks like. We're elevating this thing. So they're like, okay, cool.
1: But they were experts working off the information you gave them. Right. And when you didn't specify, hey, I hate the colors.
0: It, but I just kind of went along with it. And the so we ended up ordering the boxes. The boxes come in. We're, you know We're using them. And they look great. And the colors are fine. And I can kind of get over it. And it was beautiful. Like, it was a beautiful box. But it was just something that, like, wasn't clicking with, like, our branding for some reason. And over time and other experiences, I started to sell them into stores or they started to sit on our shelves in in our studio or whatever. That front part of the sticker that got folded underneath.
1: Didn't want to stay folded.
0: It started to peel off or kind of come loose and needed to be re-sticked down. And so that was happening on retailers' shelves, too. And it just didn't look quite the level of polish that it needed to be because your sticker's coming off here. And, like, it was this beautiful, expensive, rigid box that, I mean, I I don't remember how. I think they cost, like, $3 a box. Like, it was obscene. And it was really affecting our, like, costs, our cost of goods sold. So I don't know how many years we had that. Maybe it was two years because I bought all these boxes. I had to use them. I had to make the money back that like we'd spent, you know, when we were starting to get to the point of like, okay, we need to reorder these. I just couldn't bring myself. I had to, it was the color. It wasn't working with everything else. It was really irking me. So I tweaked the box design that they did. And I did this with their health because it was essentially their design. I said, okay, I need to move away from this rigid setup box because it's too expensive. I want to remove the color because it's just not working for me. So I designed the sticker that goes on our Simple Collection Candles now where, like, the little logo is in gold and then the scent is in a very thin black font. And the boxes, they readjusted to work on a... Uh, tuck tab auto bottom box. And what that means is instead of the box bottom being a tab fold that has to be assembled and then the top has to be assembled, the bottom is fold is like glued so that you just kind of pop it open and it's already like it's auto automatically. So it's
1: glued and then folded up for shipping. And when you fluff the box out, it just kind of falls into place.
0: Yeah. And like locks together. So that's what a tuck tab auto bottom. Box means so we designed it with that and then we put um we asked the printer to do a what's called a soft touch coating on the paper so it has this like feel to it it's almost like slightly rubberized but it feels very like smooth and velvety almost like to the touch so
1: i know half the time i pick a candle box up i'm like is this dirty is this dirt on my hands i can't decide I expect it to feel smooth and glossy, and it doesn't.
0: Well, it feels smooth and soft, not glossy and, like, slippery. Slick, yeah. Yeah, it's like a matte coating that's, like, soft feeling. I don't like that you use the word dirty that you thought that your hands had.
1: (laughs) The number of times when I'm carting things around in the warehouse portion of the studio and get dirt on my hands.
0: No, I know. I just, it was just like that that's, like, your first like
1: well, my brain expects connection. it to be smooth, glossy, slick, almost, and it's not.
0: It doesn't look glossy. Anyway, sorry, I'm getting off. I'm getting off track here. The funny thing was, I was in love with how the packaging looked. Okay, it was saving us a lot of money. It was a much more affordable box, and yet I was terrified that people were going to be upset that it was like a lesser quality box and that they were going to complain that I hadn't lowered the price at all because the box was cheaper. And I didn't want to lower the price. I knew I needed the price to stay the same. I knew I finally had got the margins to like where they needed to be. And I, to be clear, we did a huge price jump when we went from the craft line boxes to the rigid boxes. We went from a $24 candle to a $32 candle retail. So I already did the jump. I wasn't going to change it again. But I was changing the packaging to improve my margins and to make the aesthetics, like, fit to where I want. Now, I was so worried about this. And yet everybody who came in contact with the product, who saw photos of it, who ordered it, brought it in. The result was, oh, this is beautiful. This is so nice. This box feels so nice. There was not a negative, like, nobody was like, oh, this is a different, lesser quality box than you had before. Because all of a sudden, the branding, the visuals of the, the design of the product, the physical product had not changed in any way at any three steps of these iterations. Same exact glass, same exact wick, same exact wax, same exact fragrance. It was the same thing inside. We're just talking about the outer packaging, the sticker that went on the front of that candle and the box that it went in
1: just a proverbial first impression as it were
0: yeah that perceived value of the candle right did it match did it fit in with the rest of the line and was it going to fit into a good majority like a good number of stores like not be so specific that only a certain type of place like and since we made that change which was probably six years ago i'll have to look maybe five years ago It's been, I haven't wanted to change anything since then. And I think that that's a really important kind of shift because that feeling of like always wanting to change something, that's an instinct that like you need to listen to. If you always want to start something new, that's a different story. You want to design something new, design a different collection. But if there's something that's like irking you about your packaging, your product, that like you just can't let it go. You need to listen to that. And I should have listened to it in the design phase when I was first working with this design firm and to say, no, the color is not, I don't want color. But I didn't speak up.
1: The gut instinct was right, but it never made it to the math.
0: Yeah. And so now it's like everything fits. It's so seamless. And those decisions that I made now inform other decisions I make as I'm designing other packaging Within that collection as it relates to that line, because I have a solid visual identity for that packaging that I'm happy with, that I know it's like a guiding light now. This, I can put something new that we're working on, a mock up, next to it and say either this fits or something looks off. You know, should the cap for this be black or should it be white? And I can stack it next to the box for the other product and say, okay, this one looks more in line, more, like, better together than the other one. And it's, it's, that's one of the, like, important things about packaging is that, like, once you've got it right, then you need to stick with it. Because you're going to be able to save money by ordering larger volumes, ordering larger quantities of boxes. We buy boxes maybe once a year. Maybe, like, per cent, we probably buy them once a year, maybe once every two years. So it's not something that I'm buying all the time. But that big investment, I I can't make it if I think in six months I'm going to change these boxes because I've just spent all this money. So by knowing I'm satisfied with it, I'm able to, like, make that commitment and get those savings. Well, it's funny
1: you talk about the box design and holding something new up to what you had to decide if it fits in the line or not. Because I remember you going through that with the diffuser boxes, actually.
0: Yeah, I was really struggling with the layout of such a awkwardly tall, tall skinny box that needed to be that tall because of the reeds, but it felt like so much extra white space. Where does the text need to land? Does it need to be all the way at the bottom? Does it need to be floating somewhere in the middle? And constantly, like, I would design it and then I would print it out on printer paper and then cut that up and fold it to make this makeshift box to then look at how it looked, you know, alongside everything else. And, yeah, that's part of the the process of now I design all of our packaging. Now that I've learned...
1: Th- that's a good lesson right there too for anyone that hasn't caught it yet. Printer paper is cheap, and you can just <laughs> cut it up and glue it at home like you're an eight year old doing crafts. And go, what does it actually look like?
0: Well, that's what we did when we were designing the ceramic collection. We had this idea. I had this idea in my head, and then we just started one night, one night, like late evening. We were at the office. We started cutting up old wholesale catalogs because it was the thickest. It was like. The most cardstocky material we had around—cardstocky is not a real—but
1: it was similar to cardstock in its depth its and rigidity. Yeah. And
0: so you and I both like. Okay, we had the idea. We started just tracing and cutting with scissors and folding around the like one sample we had of the ceramic. At Listen, the time. I'm never
1: going to turn out an opportunity to just play with a knife at work. <laughs> That's not who I am.
0: But that was the first time that I designed packaging from scratch. Like we took those, I like, I took this idea that was in my brain. We cut it up on paper and then I went back to just in illustrator, I think. And I, I took these forms, I took the measurements. Okay. So I would design this shape. Then I would print that out on printer paper. Then I would cut out that shape and say, okay, that's not right. This needs to go here. This needs to tweak here and here and here. And then once I had this shape that I was like, okay, I need this. I need somebody to make this, to cut it out and put the fold lines here and put the cut lines here and print it on nice paper. And that was the first time that I took like a for, from scratch idea to a printer and said, can you do this? And thankfully Norman's Printery, they were like, yeah. Yeah. We can figure that out. Explain it to me. And this is not I the can. first
1: time you've worked with Norman's Printery, correct?
0: It was the first time I worked with Norman's It was. Printery because they they actually sent us, and this goes back to like marketing and branding and sending physical samples in the mail. Like they unsolicited sent us a box and they had a big campaign where like they sent out this out to a lot of comps a box of samples of... Various types of their packaging. They make boxes. They did screen printing and other things. So they sent us this sample box. And it was so beautiful, the things that they put in it, that everyone in the office at the time oohed and awed about it. And we were, like, in love. This was way before you were even I was here. just going to
1: say, I definitely was not in that day. No,
0: that, this was years ago. And... I reached out to them, and they're based in New Jersey, so then every time we would have a trade show, they would come by and say hi, even though we hadn't worked with them. I knew I wanted to. I just didn't have the right project at the time. And even with the diffusers, actually, we had them quote out the box, and they just quoted it a lot higher than one of my other suppliers, and I couldn't really make that just like that choice at that time. Um but this was a project where like because it was just going to be a sleeve, not a full box, I knew the quality of the paper had to be really top-notch. I knew the mm-hmm. printing had to be really beautiful because we were working with Esther Clark's beautiful illustrations. So, if there was anybody to do it, it was going to be them and this was going to be the first thing that we worked together on and I'm like so thrilled with how it turned out and it's they and the pricing was actually great. Um, the boxes were so different, but boxes require a lot more labor and Different things. So, very happy with them.
1: Let's see. Can I think of any packaging and packaging design questions to stuff in at the end and get her talking some more?
0: We've got a whole list to kind of get through of ideas for new episodes. But if you have any new ideas um, or any questions, you can send us a DM on Instagram at Simply Curated. Uh, follow us there. And if you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, it rate this podcast that would really help a lot what i think has been interesting since we released that new episode last week is that people who didn't know about the podcast before have gone back and listened to the old episodes and are like yeah this is all still really great useful information so even though they're six year old episodes there's some really good stuff there so give it a listen it's probably going to sound really different than this and
1: Spoiler, I wasn't in any of them.
0: We might go back and give it a listen sometime just for giggles. Um.
1: Oh, that sounds like a threat. (laughs) That, That sounds like a threat.
0: Well, thank you guys for listening. Have a good day.